gospel is a very particular word or kind of speech in the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, the gospel is God's promise of a son who will crush the serpent's head, forgive the sins of his people, raise them from the dead, and give them everlasting life solely on the basis of his grace for the sake of Christ. If you're interested in the, the beginnings of the church, you know, I think looking at the creed is a great way of, of getting into church history and really seeing where the faith kind of came together. In the scripture, the way it presents discernment is actually the skill that you develop where you're able to identify goodness. And what was surprising to me is that is much the way we use the language of discernment outside of the church. The real difference, I would say, like what patriarchy teaches versus what we should believe, is that what they believe about the nature of men and women, that there is something fundamentally different about authority and submission between men and women. And that's not just like within particular relationships, but men and women in general. This is their nature. What are the duties required in the Ninth Commandment? The duties required in the Ninth Commandment are the preserving and promoting of truth between man and man. The Gospel never tells us something to do. The Gospel tells us about something that's been done. Hi, welcome to Theology Gals. This is Colleen Sharp, and Rachel Miller is my co-host. And we are going to talk about... Christian nationalism and the reason reasons that we want to talk about it. First of all, there's a lot of talk about it right now. If you're on Twitter in reformed circles, you've probably seen there's even a new book that people have been talking about. And I think that there's maybe some people don't have like a full grasp of of what it is and the issues with it. And I was telling Rachel before we recorded that it reminded me a little bit of when we've talked about patriarchy, where there's there's kind of a range of, um, I guess, extremes or, or mm-hmm. views that fall into the that category. Like when we've talked about patriarchy, we've said, you know, here's here's a mark of patriarchy. That doesn't necessarily mean that all people who call themselves that hold to that thing. And I think Todd um, has talked about that too. So, so bear with us in, in that way. I myself in just trying to grasp what people were saying looked a lot on social media because it kind of gives me an idea of, you know, what's being talked about, what things maybe need to be addressed. And and I'll give an example, like in some people that call themselves Christian nationalists, maybe promote a sort of quiverful. I've Mm -hmm. seen that sort of thing, which is like, you have as many children as you possibly can. You got to make your own little army and, you know. And that's why. Right. That's the language that they use. Exactly. And, but um, I didn't find that consistent with all of them. That's just right. just one example. So keep that in mind as we talk about some of the marks and things like that. And I also think, uh, and we'll talk about this a little bit more later, but I think in the Reformed-ish circles, it's very tied into theonomy. We've done an episode on theonomy before. I can even uh, link that in the episode notes. So Yeah, that would be a good idea. The other thing is I... I do see kind of outside of our reformed circles, some kind of basic evangelicals that are using that language, Uh, Mm -hmm. basic evangelicals. um, That's probably not the best term, maybe more of a typical um, Baptist, maybe a Southern Baptist that's not Calvinistic reformed or um, a non-denominational or somebody that goes to mega church. They're, they're using that language, but they seem to mean, something slightly different, I guess. So there's not a, I guess, playbook that they're all sticking by totally. But I think Mm -hmm. we're going to talk a lot about, especially kind of currently in our circles, because there's definitely 
a lot to this conversation. I was, as I was reading this week, I'm thinking we're going to just barely scratch the surface. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you think about the fact that there, the people have written full, full books, not in critique, um, but there's, you know, this one particular new book that was released, you know, just about this gentleman's explanation of it. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, I was going to, I'm going to ask you why you think it's happening now, mm-hmm. but before I ask you that, um, I actually think that there was a similar movement in the eighties, just maybe not being called that, but when you had, um, the moral majority, mm-hmm. things like that, um, you know, very, very similar, but ideas kind of this Christian nation, um, mm-hmm. And, you know, influence, uh, probably a blurring of the lines between church and state and mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. So, here we are again. <laughs> so, what do you think? Why are we here? <laughs> um, you know, I think it's interesting that you mentioned uh, that in particular from the, the 80s. Uh, I remember it, too, from my own childhood and from the studies that I've done with history. And, and part of the reason... I wanted to talk about it uh, with us, with here on on Theology Houses, because what what's happened is what had been kind of a a fringish movement or a um, kind of outliers with these ideas about you know you don't find a lot of mainstream like for theonomists, for example, you don't find a lot of mainstream theonomy um, except in certain certain circles. Um, but with with Christian nationalism, we've seen in the last three, four years, uh, the discussion go from, oh, there's no such thing. No one's calling themselves that. That's so silly. You know, no one really thinks themselves that way to like this new book, outright declarations of absolutely, we're calling ourselves Christian nationalism. And this is what we mean by it. And it's, it's somewhat stunning to see it go so fast because, you know, like you said, in many ways, it is a, um, a reformulation of, of previous ideas and previous movements, but there's something newer going on with it too that is um, is concerning. And so, you know, I think some of what's happening right now it goes back to what we've talked about before with the polarization of politics and religion and ideas, uh, particularly here in the U.S. but other nations as well. And and as each side becomes increasingly hardened in in their views increasingly um, adamant about their views and, and increasingly um polarized really is the word best word there even though i already used it um so the sides are defining themselves against each other and what i think has happened with christian nationalism is in part an attempt to respond to um the other side saying you know you shouldn't do that right don't and so instead of going from that's why they went from um you know there's no such thing we don't know what you're talking about to yeah we're going to embrace it we're going to call ourselves christian nationalists it, it seems to be part of that very polarized political discussion in the u.s what do you think Jillian? so i have a little bit of a hypothesis okay <laughs> on what I actually think there's several factors. Mm. And I think what you said is is absolutely right. There there is, for back of lack of a better word, a sort of tribalism. Mm. And so we're gonna separate, we're not like those Christians over there. Mm. And um unfortunately within that kind of tribalism, there there's like distinct things that they all line up. And if you don't line up, you're out. I mean, Rachel and I've experienced that just on talking about manhood, womanhood. I've been lost friends over it, even though I don't think I've said anything, any, anything crazy, but I, I think what happened in the eighties and I think it's happening now to a different extent is I think there's a response to the culture. So mm-hmm. in the eighties, I, Right now, we've got a lot of crazy stuff going on in secular culture. Mm-hmm. Um, there is definitely um, a lot of stuff going on with 
gender affirming care, quote unquote. I've talked to some some detransitioners, for instance, and some people. Now, I know that we see scary stories out there, and I'm not saying that all of those stories are at every school or anything, but that stuff is happening. There's been an increase in that. There's um, been a lot of change just since 2015 um, Mm -hmm. when gay marriage became legal. There's been a lot more sexual immorality um, out in the open, different things like that. And I think in the eighties, you had other things like that, that the Christians were being like, we need to respond to this. And the answer Mm -hmm. is, you know, we need to Christianize society or, or something like that. Uh, Like the, the Danvers statement and the, um, it's 1987, of course. And that's, you know, they they lay out in the very beginning about why what's going on in society that they felt the need to respond to. So yeah, but I think that the problem is, and I could I could look back just during my lifetime and offer countless examples, as is always the case. Not necessarily for every person, but is always the case. In reaction to one thing, there's often an overcorrection. Mm. And they're reacting to something that, you know, we might all be able to look at it and say, that's bad. That's not good. It's it's not good for society. Um, but their response and the answer just jumps into another ditch. That's also not the answer. So that's that's my um kind of thoughts. You know, there's oh, I, I think, think you're absolutely right. You know, that's that's part of what I was trying to say, too, about how it's become uh, an accepting of the name and the term and the definition in in reaction. Right. Like there's this sense of we're going to do this because they don't like it on the other side. And um, and and I'm not it's going to sound like we're picking on one side versus the other today. We're really not um nationalist movements and very and aspects of nationalist movements can happen on both sides of the political spectrum and have um what we're talking about is one one aspect of it and as usual we we're, we're ten, we tend to talk about um the side of things that is more closely related to um the reformed world and to yes. the people around us so you know what we're criticizing and what we're talking about today uh, is because we're concerned. It's because uh, what we see going on uh, as a danger to the church and to the, to our witness in the gospel uh, and a danger to our countries. Um, if we, you know, take up arms in this way, I don't see it ending well. So uh, what we're talking about is, is not and this is you know, big. This is not, we're not saying that patriotism, Patriotism is wrong. I think it's great to be patriotic, to love your country. Um, generally, that's a good thing uh, to, you know, celebrate Fourth uh, of July. Um, you know, baseball, apple pie, you know, all good things, right? Um, if you're talking about the U.S. patriotism, uh, if you're in the U.K. and you're, you know, for 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 king and country, absolutely same thing. You know. We all have um, ties to the nation that we live in, and it's perfectly normal and perfectly fine to be proud of those, uh, of where you come from. Absolutely. And, you know, one thing before we jump in a little bit more to what it is, and um, if there's one thing I could try to emphasize to our listeners is doing this podcast almost six years One of the things that I have seen a lot of is somebody will kind of open the door to the Reformed world a little bit and join some Reformed groups and stuff like that. And sometimes, instead of carefully looking at things, they find themselves kind of on a sort of slippery slope going along with whatever kind of group in the Reformed world that they found themselves in. And Mm -hmm. I actually was listening to a podcast several weeks ago that um, they, they described something that I thought was so good. I stopped and wrote it down. I don't have it in front of me right now, but they're talking about this exact sort of thing. And um, this gentleman said that sometimes our views are handed to us and then people are promoting things that they don't even fully understand. Mm -hmm. And I think 
that that happens a lot. And none of us want to think, hey, I've done that. But I'll say right now, I have. I've had Mm -hmm. situations where people around me, what happens is, so let's say there's some sort of debate or a difference on opinion and something. And I look to the people that I trust and like, well, they're saying such and such, and I trust them. So that's probably the right position before I've taken any time to dig in myself and mm-hmm. really understand and really learn. Because sometimes the people that even I trust and who I think are right most of the time, they can be wrong too. And, you know, I even saw some women teachers out there in our broader community that someone said, what do you think of such and such a teacher? And their answer was, well, people that we trust say he's okay. And I just, mm-hmm. we just need to be very careful. We're, we're called to discerning, to being discerning in everything. And so if I can just encourage those that hear us to ne- never take our word for it. Never quickly jump in with, with your friends because they've taken a position, but to be discerning to study and to take your time. Mm-hmm. So anyways, just a little um, public service announcement. <laughs> Absolutely. No, it's a good point. Um, and, it, and to be fair, who has time to research everything? Like we're always, we're all going to fall into the, yeah, to the, the quick judgments because we don't have time for things kind of things. And it's, it's only when you know, you sit back and you go, Oh, Oh, maybe I don't really think this is, is, so right, but, and that's all we're asking, right? People to take time yeah. to look into it and to make a, an informed decision. Yeah, and you don't have to have a position on something. There was mm-hmm. a, a big debate. It was every if I said what it was, you guys would all know what I was talking about. If it's everywhere in social media, this is recently in the last couple months, and I, I knew what my initial thoughts were, and I said, okay. Uh, I'm just going to take some time and I'm going to try to understand all sides. And, and I did have time to do it. Okay. I, I don't work outside the home. And since I've not been feeling well lately, I have time to read and listen to stuff. And at the end of it, like I took weeks, I wasn't like doing this eight hours a day. I would look a little here, look a little there. And where I ended up after I kind of learned more was different than where I started mm-hmm. just because I took time to understand and to, especially because I try to understand, you know, both, both sides on everything to make sure I have a clear understanding. So yes, but, but mushrooms on mushrooms on pizza is still a bad thing, right? (laughs) Well, I looked at both sides. I tried it. It was bad. So I'm sure (laughs) I'm sure on that. Okay, good. As long as we're on the same page. (laughs) Yes. We'll be be in agreement on that. Um, (laughs) There, there's a, an account out there, this Christian nationalists of America. So that's, I guess, one place that's fully embracing it. And they literally say the plan for Christians to retake the country. This is a, this actually little summary they have is a pretty good summary of what it is. Retake the country is simple, separate from liberal culture, relearn tradition, have a large family get involved in politics to stave off immigration liberalism. And then it says with libs not reproducing and no migration, we will be the majority in no time. I mean, this is just kind of, kind of gross. And let me just say, I have no problem with us not embracing ungodly things in our culture. We absolutely should not. We should even be involved in your community and politics in hopes Mm-hmm. Out of love for neighbor, that that life is better. Mm-hmm. Um, but this reading this just straight out, yeah. I what I don't get from that is love your neighbor, and mm-hmm. it makes me think a lot of uh, of somebody that I I heard once said. I heard once say that sometimes the message out there comes more, comes across more like hate your neighbor than love your neighbor. That's a good point. And that's actually what I get from reading that. I'm sure that's not what they're meaning, but I don't see any, this really high thing that we're called to and loving God and our neighbor. 
Well, doesn't that tie in with the whole discussion over whether or not to be winsome, right? Like exactly people and you know, I get that there's a time and a place for us to stand up and be and confront. Um, you know, we're, we're not to be, you know, doormats or right. um, twist the truth in order to, to appease others. But, you know, this is, this is very in your face. I did think, you know, historically you talked about the moral majority in the eighties. It's interesting to me that you know, it says that with liberals not reproducing, uh, et cetera, there'll be no, will be the majority in no time. Um, if that were the case, it would have already happened. Just so you know, right? Um, speaking, <laughs> so it's not um, the first time this was. Uh, this is not the first time. This is not even the first generation of this. Um, and there's plenty of, um, plenty of examples of of children who were adults who were raised in this who have a lot to say about what happened. Um, mm-hmm. I have a very very good friend. Um, that her parents were very, very big in that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, my, you know, my, my family wasn't my church really, really I, I don't know how they avoid it, but they just weren't really in that so much, but I've talked to enough people that kind of grew up in that. Yeah. You know, again, one of the resources that, that I think we'll link in this, um, because, you know, in talking about Christian nationalism and in talking about the kind of the debate around it and tying it to, you know, the 80s and the moral majority, um, I wrote a review of uh, Chris and Dumais, uh Jesus and John Wayne. And uh, it's a critical review. I talk about some places where I think she could have um, expanded more on what she talked about and um, it would have been more helpful in the, the discussion. But she draws some really strong connections uh, and points out some of the connections that are there historically. Um, so it's a decent place to start to kind of get, uh, if you're wanting a historical um, understanding of kind of the current movement and how we got here, it, it might be helpful for you. Um, but something I say in that article is that this is not a right or left problem. I said it, you know, as I mentioned a bit already, American civil religion is an issue regardless of political side Nationalism is an issue in many countries. Uh, America isn't the only nation dealing with right-wing political concerns, including racism, anti-immigration, nationalism, militarization, patriarchal masculinity. Um, Brazil, Canada, Germany, uh, Russia, and the UK. And the Ukraine. And the Ukraine. This was written before that was happening. Yes. Um, All of this, of all these nations, just to name a few. Are experiencing similar challenges. So this is, uh, while we're speaking of it in the American context, it is not just an American issue. Yeah, and actually, some countries um, still have a pretty strong, um, even state church. Although it mm-hmm. would be um, a little bit different. Um, I I really like to listen to this guy that does these walk and talks through Cyprus. <laughs> it's really mm-hmm. cool, even though. Uh, and he'll he'll point out it's Greek Orthodox that's like mm-hmm. I think almost ninety percent there, and it, so there being Greek Orthodox is very tied into their culture. You mm-hmm. got a tiny percentage of of Muslims and stuff like that. And I I sometimes he it's not religious at all the stuff that he talks about, but he'll say this is where they say that Lazarus blah, 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 or things like Mm -hmm. that. So I always look to go, okay, let me, because I guess the Greek Orthodox have their, their own perception on some of the biblical history stuff, but it's interesting. It's a a beautiful country, but I I just thought it was just thinking about if, if almost 90% of, of, of your country, Mm -hmm. and that's obviously a very tiny country, it, but is the, the same religion that that's mm-hmm. part of what defines um you know who you are i guess well that's true still with most of latin america being catholic yes. yep um or italy being catholic or middle east you know, and middle east being muslim Islam, right yeah. muslim um or india and, and the likelihood of being hindu it, yep. it's, it's a lot of places or even in in countries like China or um, 
uh, Cuba where the state religion is atheism or is the state itself, right? Like the state is the religion. Um, when you get down to how it's how it's um, revered, right? So it, just our point, this happens a lot of places. Yeah. And actually, if you ever get a chance to talk to somebody who's a Christian that grew up in um, a country that has a mm-hmm. predominant religion and they were they were Christians, it's very, 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 very interesting. I um, heard a talk from a guy who was a Christian in Iran, for instance, mm-hmm. and uh, even um, when we had... Uh, some Russian students that stayed with us from a Christian school in, in um, Moscow. And of course this was, this was in the mid nineties. So I think things have changed a little bit, but um, you know, there wasn't as many, at least at that time, Protestant Mm -hmm. um, churches. You had a lot of Russian Orthodox and then I think there's some Islam down there too. Anyways, it's just, it's interesting to hear from those, those people because if, the majority of the people in the country are a certain religion and you're this. Oh, I, I actually, uh, I forgot. I heard from a guy that uh, got to know a guy that grew up in Greece and they were Protestants. And he talked about how kind of different that he felt growing up that they were Protestants and not Greek Orthodox. Hmm. Well, that is interesting. Uh, my dad talks about, Growing up in in South America, and the majority culture around him was was Catholic, and of course they're Baptists. And so his his birthday is uh, in June, and his name is John. And so people were like, "Oh, well, obviously, because you were born on Saint John the Baptist Day, you know, that's your name for your Saint Day, John." He's like, "No, no, I w- <laughs> that's not why, but huh, <laughs> you know." But that cultural, like everyone around them knew the culture of that was John. You were born on John the Baptist Day, so your name John, yeah. Um, it's funny, you, you know. Um, in to finish up our point about how this isn't like a right or a left problem, and one of the things that I've I've noticed when a lot of times when there's debate, it's um, religious people on the left and religious people on the right will have different arguments for their position, even though they hold mm-hmm. two different positions. So this can happen in. It's described differently, but it can happen, um, you know, regardless of of politics, some version of it. We're talking mm-hmm. about, about a very specific uh, version of it right now, but I just wanted to make that point. No, that's a good point. Um, so, it might help to look at, you know, I kind of feel like as you're talking about this reminds you of the discussions around patriarchy. patriarchy. This also reminds me a lot of the discussions around federal vision um, in the, it's really hard to get a definition that everyone agrees on. Like it's, Oh yeah, no, I don't believe that. Well, uh, okay. Well, do you call yourself Christian national? Well, yes, but I don't believe that. Okay. Um, Or yeah, I believe those things. I don't want to use the term. Right. uh, Yeah. It's, there's a lot go out there. So here are some various definitions that, that I found, um, again, articles will link. Um, Kristen Dumay defines it as the belief that America is God's chosen nation and must be defended as such. Um, as a, It's a marriage of faith and politics that leads to political idolatry. Um, Paul Miller defined it as uh, it takes the name of Christ for a worldly political agenda, proclaiming that its program is the political program for every true believer. So, a definition from a Christian. Christianity Today article says Christian nationalism is the belief that the American nation is defined by Christianity and the government should take active steps to keep it that way. Popularly, Christian nationalists assert that America is and must remain a Christian nation, not merely as an observation about American history, but as a prescriptive program for what America must continue to be in the future. And then, um, uh, Gospel Coalition article, we can link all these in the episode notes, an understanding of American identity and significance held by Christians wherein the nation is a central actor in the world historical purposes of the Christian God. And, you know, since we had talked earlier about kind of the moral majority and this similar sort of movement in the 80s, um, 
since dispensationalism was Mm -hmm. very, very popular, and I'm sure Rachel remembers this. Mm -hmm. I remember growing up in the 80s, there was a lot of, even outside of like charismatic circles, there was a lot of end times prophecy, you know, making these charts based on the Bible of prophecy of what's going to happen. And some of these would literally tie America into the end times prophecies. Mm-hmm. Like this, it it got pretty wild back then. Yeah. Um, you think about all the left behind series and yeah. Um, and it was like, it was the, the main topic of, of everything Christian for a while. Everything. <laughs> Everything, everything, everything. I, we, I didn't grow up in that, but we, when I was 13, we moved to Florida and um, Evangelical Free Church can vary greatly. So we went to the Evangelical Free Church nearby and it was a very, very, very dispensational one. And, you know, that my old church never would have showed the Thief in the Night movies. Right. Um, But this one, it was, it was an annual, you know, youth group all nighter that we watched them all. And then I'd have nightmares, (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. but there were people, there were books back then. They're very popular about the end times, very central to the end times. I actually remember. So in the early nineties with the the Gulf War conflict, I remember very well people trying to tie that into all this prophecy and the United States mm-hmm. fitting into this end time scenario that they had dreamed mm-hmm. up. So <laughs> I can't I can't help but wonder it, how much the the year two thousand played a part in that. That people were you know, it, it happens historically on those kind of years. Yeah, um, that people get all interested in the end times it happened uh for the year 1000 as well uh historically in europe um so it just i can't i wonder how much is it it's not that it's died down but it is quieter than it used to be it yeah Um, it's it's different i think there was i think you actually bring up a great point because um those of us who were you know anywhere from teenager to adult mm -hmm. before 2000 there was a lot of a lot of preppers and mm-hmm. people that Y2K. thought, yeah, that people thought that some big thing was going to happen, and um, yeah, yeah. Even even among Christians, I mean, mm-hmm. I would say maybe more so. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what are some of the ways that we can recognize? Uh, this is not everything gets called Christian nationalism that might should be considered part of the movement. Um, so what are some of the ways that we can recognize it, um, in our circles? Uh, I appreciate some of this comes from, uh, the gospel coalition article that we'll link, but some of the questions, uh, to consider, uh, one was to, is, has the story of America's nation taken a central place in our understanding of redemptive history? And this ties into what you were saying, um, where America becomes Israel in a lot of ways in the uh or practically in, in a lot of the dispensational look at it but not just with this dispensationalists but also um more broadly with um certain movements um another related warning sign that this article mentions is um the effort to turn and I like this one was really important to me the effort to turn the ostensible defenders of the Christian nation into devout believers in spite of all evidence to the contrary or defend or to defend them against criticism and you know that goes back to you know well the right people agree with the person or the right person is supporting the right things the right people so then everybody who is on my side is a Christian and that's great um I I like to call the argument kind of goes like this, which is, you know, I'm a Christian. I believe these things. These people believe these things too. Therefore, they're also Christians. Right. And that's not really the way we should look at politics in particular. Yeah. Um, 
Another one is, does our congregation reflect as much as local demographics allow the nations and kindreds and people and tongues that compose God's kingdom? Or does it reflect mainly one ethnic group sharing the same partisan commitments and zealous American patriotism? You, and I think we've all seen, maybe we've seen clips online or um we visited at some point in our lives, a church where you kind of see that mm. they may even have a politician come and speak at the service on Sunday morning as perfectly acceptable because we're trying to make the nation Christian. And so, you know, right. It, it and just, that does go, that does go on both sides of the political spectrum. Yeah, uh, in absolutely. Politicians it, it, in churches on both sides. Um, right now, almost any Monday, Mm-hmm. You'll see clips mm-hmm. of a Republican speaking at a conservative church or a Democrat speaking at a liberal church. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it happens. It happens both ways. Mm-hmm. It does. Um, so, why is it bad? Since we're not talking about just patriotism, which we've said is a good thing or can be a good thing, why is it? Why is Christian nationalism a bad thing? From the Christianity Today article um, on Christian nationalism, it says, uh, cultural identities are fluid and hard to draw boundaries around, but political boundaries are hard and semi-permanent. So attempting to found political legitimacy on cultural likeness means political order will constantly be in danger of being felt as illegitimate by some group or other. Cultural pluralism is essentially inevitable in every nation. Um, and so the point of that, like in the U.S., um, much like the time that the writers of scripture lived in in the New Testament, we live in a pluralistic society. People around us have different beliefs, different religion, different national backgrounds. You know, America is, is very much that melting pot where people come from all different backgrounds and all different religions around us. And if one religion becomes uh, connected to political identity so that the politics is determined by and tied to one certain religion, it will leave out a sizable portion of the population um, and make them really second-class citizens. Um, And you see this in many nations today that have um, uh, the connection between uh, Muslim and their nation, um, but you see it also in um, other nations as well that have religions where the Christians are are considered uh, second-class citizens or are persecuted for being Christians in the nation. Um, And so, as Christians, we're aware of that happening um, to Christians in other nations. But in many ways, it is just as dangerous if a form of Christianity became the state religion and people were, would be um, mistreated, persecuted, treated as second-class citizens because they don't hold to it. And if you look at why the U.S., one of the many reasons why the U.S. was founded uh, as a nation with freedom of religion, with, um, you know, the separation of church and state uh, so that there is not a state religion, um, was so that there would be freedom of conscience, freedom of, of um, you know, that Christian liberty within Christian, like denomination-wise, but also just freedom of religion to come and worship and be um, able to do so without persecution, it that means we can't try to turn around and back that up and say, no, no, we're going to be this kind of, of Christian nation that is going to promote a particular Christian um, vision of a pol- particular political idea of what is right. So I, I want to to set this up. I want you first to think throughout history, because there's lots of examples, but even um, some modern examples. A, a nationalist government is going to probably be authoritarian and oppressive. And I want you to think for a second, just to try to make my point. If we were to... Um, have this Christian government and this sort of Christian utopia that they're um, mm-hmm. mapping out. What form? Are we going to be Lutheran? 
we're going to be Baptists? Mm-hmm. Are the Presbyterians going to be meeting in secret? You know? Right. Well, we I have mean, to baptize our babies. Right. We're going to make privately. you baptize your babies because we're now or Presbyterian. forbid you from baptizing your babies if you go the other way, right? Yeah. It, and my my I was telling Rachel, my own family living in Sweden, they had a state church. It's a long time ago in the 1800s. And they fought, they were Lutherans, the state church was Lutheran. And they fought to be free from the state church. They wanted a free church, not one tied to the state. Because we've seen what happens with state churches before. And all you have to do, you can Google it, read in history examples of what happens. It, mm-hmm. it just doesn't work out for a variety of reasons. During the time of the Reformation, you know, the, the Catholic Church was the state church in most countries, and Protestants suffered for it. During the time of, um, you know, post-Reformation uh, in, in England, the, the state church of England um, persecuted the Christians who believed, like the uh, separatists and the, cons- the congregationalists um, faced persecution. Um, you know, the, the Huguenot were run out of the French, out of France. There's, there's a lot of places. It's not just that other religions would treat Christians poorly or that Christians would treat other religions poorly. Like you're saying within Christianity, there's such a diversity of opinion, a national Christian church with national Christian politics and policies would be a disaster, um, and would end up hurting people. Uh, hurting Christians, um, quite frankly. Yeah, and I I want to say just for point of clarification, I think we've been clear, but just to make mm-hmm. sure that we're clear it, on what we aren't saying. <laughs> Rachel's right. already said several times we're not saying that if you're patriotic, you're a Christian nationalist. We're not saying that. Nope. The other thing is, um, our Christianity does inform how we may be involved in our communities, how we may be involved in politics. Absolutely. You know, as Christians, we fight against abortion um, because we're informed and led by um, our Christian faith. Mm-hmm. So, just wanted to make sure we're talking about something very specific. Um, absolutely. Here. Right. And as Christians, it's absolutely, absolutely fine for us in whichever nations that we're in, if we have a voice. Um, in our government to, to use that voice, to um, use it to promote um, values and to protect others and, and to support laws and regulations. If you have the ability to vote, to vote for your leaders. These are all ways in which it's, it's, it's good for us as Christians to be involved. Absolutely. Um, and not at all what we're talking about here with Christian nationalism. I'm going to go back uh, with the definitions that um, I think the one from the Gospel Coalition is the most succinct, that American identity and, and significance held by Christians where the nation is a central actor in the world historical purposes or in the redemptive purposes of the Christian God. Um, I think that is, that's what we're talking about, and I think it's good to remember what we are and what we aren't talking about. Yeah, what, one of the things, one of the reasons I said that is because I think I have seen the accusation of Christian nationalists fly just like other ones do where mm-hmm. it's, I don't, I, cause I, I looked it up on Twitter. I read a lot mm-hmm. and I, sometimes anything that might even smell a little bit, you see it when people, you know, say woke about everything. Um, they say that isn't, even though that's not really a carefully defined term, but you'll see these accusations fly that um, a critical race theory. Oh, that's critical Mm -hmm. race theory. You'll see that fly Mm -hmm. in ways when it isn't that, or you're a social justice warrior when someone, you know, isn't that these accusations. I, Mm -hmm. I feel very strongly that we'd be very careful I mean, Rachel and I have dealt with it to an extreme feminist, Mm -hmm. egalitarian. Those things don't define us in the modern definitions of those words. So, right. Exactly. So, continuing with the discussion, talking about why 
Christian nationalism is dangerous? Why is it bad? What are some ways in which it's dangerous? So I, I have a quote. It's a good one, too. In recent years, the movement has grown increasingly characterized by a fear and by a belief that Christians are victims of persecution. Some are beginning to argue that American Christians need to prepare to fight physically to preserve America's identity. You know, I think I think one of the things I'm I'm going to say is maybe go. We had a couple episodes on on two kingdoms. There's so much I want to say that I can't get it out quite right, but I, I think ultimately they're almost setting up what you were talking about earlier, where we're the Christians, we're the ones that are supposed to be this set apart thing, and there is there is instance when we're set apart in the church and set apart for Christ, but in society in a very specific way, almost like they're expecting a civil war. There's us Mm -hmm. and there's them. And I go back to almost this, when you, when you have that us versus them and Christians are doing it against other Christians too, which is, is one of the problems. Um, If you don't agree with me on my Christian nationalism, then you're, you're the them. Mm -hmm. And I, go back to what I said earlier, you almost get this idea like you're supposed to hate your neighbor. Yes. Um, and and honestly, that is one of the things that I am most concerned about is the increasing uh, the rhetoric on both sides, the violence, um, the ratcheting up. Um, and I think that as Christians who are called to peace, while we do work within the political realm of our, our country and we do um, uh, lobby for various ideas, it would be helpful for us to dial the rhetoric back and start looking at ways that we can promote peace around us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And also, I unfortunately, I think one of the things that's happened with this kind of us and them in the in the Christian nationalist space is um, making the culture wars the things that defines you instead of Christ. And we should be able to go to church on Sunday morning and have people that maybe have some different views on things that are perfectly acceptable to have different views on. Mm-hmm. And still be united with them in Christ, still know that they're our family, still love them. And when you bring these cultural things and you end up with the sort of church we were talking about earlier, where everyone's got the same view on every cultural thing. Yeah. So, um, another thing that I think is important, and we're talking about the dangers of Christian, Christian nationalism, is the fact that uh, it becomes an idol, uh, or it can. And particularly in it's taking the name of Christ for a worldly, a particular worldly political agenda. And then this is from the Christianity Today article. It says proclaiming that its program is the political program for every true believer. And that part in particular is another part that's concerning to me. You talked about uh, abortion. We could talk about uh, death penalty or um uh, racism, we could talk about poverty and any any issue in the US where people can have more than one side on it. We may even agree that we should that we should end abortion. We could agree that maybe we could all agree that either for or against the death penalty, right? Whatever these issues are. And we still might have different ways of approaching the issues. But the problem that's becoming, and this is what you talked about earlier about you draw the lines and then you decide who's in or out. And this is what we've seen, you know, in, in being considered out and being called names. Um, is if you don't follow along, if I say, you know, I think that this political approach is dangerous. If I th- say that I think Christian nationalism is dangerous and, and idolatry or tends to idolatry, um, I am in danger of being considered, well, you can't be a true Christian then. And there are people that would say that, that I have two options. Like I saw that this week, you may have seen 
similar tweet, uh, Colleen, when you were looking through, but one of the guys was saying that you're going to have two options in the future, either Christian nationalism or the the secular, you're not going to be allowed to be a Christian. Um, and so you might as well pick your side now and pick Christian nationalism. And I'm like, but those aren't our two sides. That's and even the us we, and them I was talking about. That's- exactly. And even if those were the two sides, I'm going to choose neither, right? Like I'm, if, if it comes down to that, you know, and I said, so I'm going to be that guy who's not saluting in the middle of the crowd. Like, you know, let's, that's who we are. We have our own beliefs as Christians we have our own calling and we don't have to be pushed around to follow along politics. Um, but that is what we're seeing that it's becoming, well, you know, you can't be a Christian and vote for X. You can't be a Christian and vote against X. You can't be a Christian and believe this or believe that. And the truth is to be a Christian, you have to have, have faith in Christ as your savior. Yeah. You know, there, there's an issue that's important to me. I'm not going to say what it is, mm-hmm. but it's not, it's not abortion. Abortion's important to me too, but it's mm-hmm. something other than abortion. Mm-hmm. And I got to the point where at this point in my life, I said, I just cannot vote for somebody that holds this position. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I I don't expect everyone to agree with me. I guess sure. that's what I'm trying to, to say. It's It's my conviction and I can stand back and see how a Christian might come to a different conviction. It's, it's, I'm not talking about something like abortion, but mm-hmm. one, one of the ones, and I've seen it well because I've talked to so many girls from our group from other countries that alienates us from our Christian brothers and sisters around the world. This is uh, from the Gospel Coalition article, by the way. Um, so this the thing that I have heard so much, and we have we've got listeners, I think at over a hundred countries. Um, we've had a good amount of listens, more than that, where somebody's tuned in once or twice. But um, and I've heard they will say to me, Man, American Christians are kind of bizarre. <laughs> and we t- we've talked about that with the manhood, womanhood stuff. Mm-hmm. We have to be really careful with. And not take something that's maybe very specifically cultural to our country and mm-hmm. make it a Christian or non-Christian issue. As an example, like the Second Amendment. I know some people feel strongly about it. Some people feel strongly against it. We've got to be really careful. And I've heard people in these circles say, this is why it's Christian. Both sides. you got to, regardless of what my own views on it, you, you really got to be real careful to not do that. And let's just, since you brought up the death penalty, here's another example. I know strong Christians who are very in favor of the death penalty and Mm -hmm. strong Christians who are very against. And I have listened very closely, and I think they both have really great arguments. And I think that we need to be a little bit more flexible and say, okay, I understand why that person has this position. And, And there's so many different political type uh, things like that. I think we need to be a little bit more and not judge that somebody says I'm against the death penalty, not judge their Christianity because you're for it. Exactly that. Exactly that. Um, and, you know, and that's one of the points we talked about patriarchy and we talked about um, a lot of what I wrote in, in my book on um, you know, this idea of biblical womanhood. Um, if it doesn't fit all Christians across all nations, across all times, then it's not really an essential, right? Those are yes. Uh, the essentials do. They fit all Christians across all nations, across all times. The rest may be decisions we make culturally or in our political context or our nation or our time and the things that are going on. Um, and they may be good decisions. We may, we may make poor decisions because we are, we are fallible. Um, but we're going to find Christians on various sides of things and we just need to be more gracious. Okay. Give an example. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but homeschooling, mm-hmm. there are Great people one. that say, 
homeschooling is the only Christian option. Rachel and I both homeschooled, so we, we right. say that as, but um, a girl from our group said, that's just not really a possibility where we live. It's just not something that's, you know, really done. Mm-hmm. We just have to consider a lot of things. Like I, I miss a verse that said, thou shalt homeschool. Mm-hmm. Now, I do think, and we've said it over and over, that we look at our options and we navigate with wisdom mm-hmm. and with our husbands, figure out the best option for our family. And that is true, regardless of where you are. Absolutely. So, should we talk about reasons to reject? Yes. And this kind of summarizes what we've already been talking about, but kind of making some points here. Um, this comes from another article. Let's see which one is this one from? I think this one's from uh, Michael Bird's article against Christian nationalism. And the first one point he makes is Christian nationalism has a low view of Jesus and a terrible view of the atonement. Um, I think that's a great point, especially because Jesus died um, to save his people, not to save and and politically save a particular secular nation or secular government or style of government. Another, Christians are called to give political testimony, as we talked about, to be active in politics, and that's fine, but not to establish a political theocracy. And so theocracy, theonomy, um, not what we're called to. Again, if you're not curious about theonomy, you want to know where we stand on that and why, um, listen to our episodes with Todd Bordeaux on that. Those are great. The church will reign with Christ in the new creation, not over the current creation, and this actually brings up a point that I I want to make. That song always goes through my head. This world is not my home. You know, I'm mm-hmm. just a passing through. I won't sing it here. But mm-hmm. even though that's kind of a little bit of a kooky song, we do have to remember um, that this will pass away, that we have something to hope for in eternity because of Christ and what he has done for us. You cannot fulfill the great commission to the nations, nor can you claim your citizenship is in heaven. If you propound a belief that America is God's favorite nation. And I I don't know where we got this thing about America, like America's like a new Israel, but it's, it's out, it's out there. And I think there are a lot of reasons to love America, and I'm very glad that I live here. But we are not a perfect nation, and um, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Right. I mean, it's even like we can easily believe that God has blessed us um, in the U.S. and in in living in a nation where we are free to to just worship the way we choose. I mean, there are a lot of things that we can look at and say, make me thankful for and see it as blessing. But it's very dangerous to say that God has picked one nation over all the others and that that one's his nation when we're not talking about, like, biblically with Israel or spiritually with you know, his, God's people, with Jesus' people. Um, there just isn't a favorite nation. Yeah. And so, the, the last one. The Constitution is not in the Bible. And even if you think for a second, it's a good place to bring this up, amendments to the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we don't do amendments to the Bible, but it, I think the Constitution is wonderful. I'm very, very grateful for it. But mm-hmm. I will tell you that there are some Christian na- nationalists would like to get rid of the 19th Amendment. They don't think that women should vote. And mm-hmm. I know we're not digging into this part. We'll, we're probably going to talk about it um, a little bit in another episode, but there is some blatant racism mm-hmm. among some Christian nationalists. Like, I think they call it intercultural marriage. They're against, they, they try to say not interracial. At least that's what I saw from one person. Yeah, they're, they're being cautious on some of that. But, and but it means the same thing when you get down to it. Yeah, yeah. Which I actually I, I did think 
back in the day, like even in the United States, like my grandparents, it used to be that when that people would kind of congregate in cultural communities, but there was a reason for that. It's not that they thought it was, you know, if a Swede married a German, that that, that would be wrong, but you would have um, like my family when they moved from Sweden settled in Minnesota mm-hmm. and you and one reason you had these communities with similar culture is also because this the church was mm-hmm. had a service in Swedish you know people mm-hmm. weren't necessarily fluent in in fluent in English and so there was some of that it actually all across the United States you can you can find mm-hmm. where people from different uh, countries would you know, a lot of Norwegians in Wisconsin, and I think a lot of Germans here in Texas. German and Czech. And, you know, so th- some of that, and that happened, but this idea that, that I don't know, it, it's the silliest thing I ever heard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah. so why don't we close this out by thinking of talking about some of the things that the Bible does say about citizenship, about um who we are and whose we are um i just pulled out a variety of verses that came to mind um first one philippians uh 3:20 for our citizenship is in heaven from which we also we eagerly wait for our savior the lord jesus christ Ephesians 2, 19 through 21 so then you are no longer strangers and aliens but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the spirit. Mm-hmm. Love the image of that, that we're being built together. Um, and that's Christians from around the world and across centuries were being built together. Yeah. Um, from Romans 13, um, as a, a what we are uh, called to as Christians, uh, let or every person is to be subject to the governing authorities. For is, there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Uh, therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. Um, therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection not only because of wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For so, Because of this, you also pay taxes for rulers or servants of God devoting themselves to this very thing. Pay to all what is due them, tax to whom taxes due, custom to whom custom, respect to whom respect, honor to whom honor. It's important to remember that Paul wrote that uh, to the Rome, fr- to the church uh, in Rome, um, and the the Roman government was absolutely pagan, absolutely anti Christian, um, and still we're called to honor um, the leaders that that we have. Doesn't mean we we have to to like or vote for bad leaders. Um, no, uh, doesn't mean we're, we're called to submit to and follow ungodly. Um, rules and we're we're called to to follow God first Um, but in general um, as much as we're able to we're to live at peace and we are to be responsible citizens absolutely John 18.36 Jesus answered my kingdom is not of this world if my kingdom were of this world my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews but as it is my kingdom is not of this realm this is the passage I actually thought about a lot Mm -hmm. um, as I was looking at this this week it's almost it's almost like they're you know sometimes if you look at people on a certain segment of the left that want to build a kind of communist utopia. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that this in Christian nationalism, they're trying to, it's just another version. They're just looking mm-hmm. to build a Christian utopia and that's not mm-hmm. what we're called to. Yep. Uh, Hebrews 13, 14 for here, we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking the city, which is to come. I love that. 
great passage. Absolutely. And from Romans 12, I won't read the whole thing, 9 through 18. I, I love Romans 12. This one, very, very great passage. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, preserving in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. I guess I am reading the whole thing. because I, I love I, this passage. It's, I it's have hard to, to do start, the whole so I thing. I put the whole thing there. I'm like, it's just <laughs> yeah. so good, the whole thing. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men, if possible, so far as it depends on you. Be at peace with all men. That passage right there is a great place to end because that's the answer right mm-hmm. there. I encourage everyone to reflect on that passage. Um, I might actually, I, I love that passage. I, I go back to it a lot, but sometimes I'll take a passage and put it on a note card and um, put it up near my kitchen sink mm-hmm. while I'm washing dishes just to, be, just to be reminded. And I think I'm I'm going to do that with this passage this week because it's such a good everyday reminder of, of what it is that we're called to. That right there is what we're called to. You know, one other thing I wanted to plug, and we should add this to the list of of links here. Um, If you're interested in looking more into how we can live as Christians in a pluralistic nation, a pluralistic society, how to be faithful and live uh, in our various um, roles and and areas, uh, our pastor, Todd Bordeaux, did a great sermon series on 1 Peter. Um, I think it started around the beginning of the pandemic, but um, we'll find the link to the first one. Uh, but I highly recommend it. It was very good, very encouraging, um, and a, a good counterbalance to uh, the draw of, a, of Christian nationalism and its um, its ideas of, of how to live. Yeah, and, and we talked about some of that with him on, on this very podcast. Mm-hmm. So we'll link that and the other ones that we have mentioned in this episode. Um, I, you know, as I said earlier, I, I encourage each of you to really take time. Maybe you're in a community that's being influenced by this and, you know, we always encourage everyone to study, to be discerning, to pray, uh, to be in the word of God. So thanks for joining us for this little bit long episode and we'll see you next time.